It is 3 o'clock here at KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. Please stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school, get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up in darkness from the ones who walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is October the 20th, 2015. It's the worst drought in 500 years. I guess I can stop washing up. My floors are okay till Christmas. And nobody needs to shower every day. I mean, flash. I read an interview with Saddam Hussein some years ago, and (laughs) Saddam Hussein said men should shower once a day and women should shower twice a day. Now, that's a sordid little tidbit. It's the sort of thing that sticks to the roof of my brain for years. Never mind. Guess what Vanity Fair did in their November issue? Of course... Time to pillory Hillary, that dominatrix. I hope they publish something more substantive before the primary. However, this November article is titled, Fortress Hillary. The uh, (laughs) one responsible woman responsible is Sarah Ellison. Um, She is credited as the reporter. Uh, no reporting here, no no uh, solid information, not even biography. Uh, I mean, there's absolutely nothing in the piece about Hillary's life as a public servant, her record as Secretary of State, uh, New York Senator, and First Lady of Arkansas, and First Lady of these United States. Anyway, uh, there wasn't even... Uh, a line about what she might do or might not do if she were elected president in uh, 2016. Now, the piece is just a mean-spirited list of Hillary's personality problems, uh, challenges, challenges. Anyway, uh, the pictures are just vindictive. Now, we know that uh, HRC... (laughs) is not a young woman, but surely she smiles. Uh, 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 The worst complaint, as far as I could see, was that on one occasion, it said here, she just may have lost her sense of humor for a moment. (laughs) 
imagine, you know. You remember the complaint about feminists was that they had no sense of humor. <laughs> this reporter, Sarah Ellison, simply lists scores of people who surround Hillary. The theme is secrecy, secrecy. Uh, everyone's talking behind closed doors, that kind of thing. Uh, the writer d does actually mention some of the ways Hillary Clinton was hit by her opponents uh, and the media, of course. Uh, you know, all the derogatory things, you know, especially back in the day when she had those big glasses and the hairband and uh, and used her birth name. Anyway, I see no reason why she wouldn't be wary, to say nothing of guarded, and of course the line about the vast right-wing conspiracy is tucked in there. Uh, anyway, I wanted to read you just one little paragraph about this sort of thing that this reporter deplores. Here it is. Uh, it's all about what they call chicks meeting, C-H-I-X. Now, apparently that is the uh, Hillary's definition or the, the staff's definition. Uh, and the... Uh, article says, the off-the-record gatherings were an outgrowth of her regular staff meetings, which were scheduled for an hour but often went for two or three into the evening. A few bottles of wine might be opened. The women would talk, talk about who was dating whom, who was cute, whose kids were going to the prom. According to one of the chicks I spoke with recently that's what it was, yes in the weeks after the midterm defeat, those meetings were healing, in quotes healing, healing ones and designed to be, quote nutrition for the soul, this participant said, it goes on to talk about times when uh, Ellie was quite emotional and uh, you know, uh the health care overall, all that good stuff. Obviously, uh, obviously, uh, this reporter, she doesn't exactly denigrate, uh, and I guess she's calling them, uh, what is she calling them? Uh, New Agers, right. Uh, she uh, heads this little section here, uh, Praetorians, right, the Praetorians. She uses that word for Hillary's uh, friends group. Uh, it is, of course, the word used for uh, the guards surrounding a Roman emperor. You remember the Praetorian guards. <laughs> After reading that little bit, I thought of Abraham Lincoln's kitchen cabinet. You remember, uh, it was the friends and advisors, not necessarily uh, members of his administration, not necessarily uh, official. He kept these people close to him. He thought they could tell him the truth, uh, show him things he needed to read. Uh, now, <laughs> the end, yes, the end of this section is just downright nasty. Uh, she writes that for some of these chicks, C-H-I-X, Clinton is a, quote, meal ticket. Now, there's no use repeating this stuff. I should know better. Uh, I mean, if some of these uh, people, mostly women, work 
for Hillary Clinton. Yes, they, <laughs> they would be getting a meal ticket. Uh, anyway, I mustn't do that. Uh, talk about all the uh, uh, all the negative stuff that's going to be hitting the uh, the media. And, uh, I, I knew this would happen, and I just kind of dreaded it. And I've got to just pay no attention um, and wait. Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and don't mess with Mr. In-Between. That's the thing. I just keep thinking now, is it really possible that having a woman in the White House will, will make a difference? Having women leaders, women rulers, uh, is it more than just symbolism? Symbolism will do. Uh, I mean, who would have thought that Angela Merkel, that Chancellor of Germany, you know, uh, would come on as an angel of mercy. Germany. Well, history happens, you know. Uh, oh, Germany can't do it all. Let us hope that Turkey uh, comes to their aid. Uh, I was thinking of all the women's approaches all the way back to, does anybody remember Cory Aquino in the... Uh, Revolution in the Philippines. I wrote down something she said. Oh, she wrote, there are many ways to run a government uh, or run a country, I think she said. I'm not sure. But there is only one way to treat people. That keeps coming to my mind when I see these refugees. Oh, oh. washing over Europe. Uh, Oh, they told us this would happen. Lately, I'm getting this terrible deja vu feeling. Uh, you know, um, I keep thinking of the past. Last week, I had a, a meltdown. I've got to stop that because uh, it doesn't do any good. I think what worried me most was looking at Vladimir Putin and I said silly things about Rasputin. Putin, you remember the bad priest back in the days before the 1917 Russian Revolution. I've been reading about all the various players in that world-changing chapter of history. Some of us uh, really had hopes for the Soviet Union, the emergence of... A socialist republic. We just thought maybe uh, this was a big deal and uh, might be on a par with the rise of Christianity after the fall of the Roman Empire. Now, the most naive of us back in the 1950s when I was in college, we allowed ourselves to imagine that communism and socialism were altruistic. Uh, of course... We didn't know that what matters is uh, who is the communist, who is the socialist. <laughs> and uh, I just thought that love, you know, was the reigning emotion uh, in spite of the drawbacks of the socioeconomic struggles in the world. I thought all new movements, you know, all these new ideologies and bright ideas, the next big thing, you know, uh, these things would begin with an open heart, you know, the stage before they get institutionalized and 
organized. Uh, it's a chance for basic human existence, you know, uh, to depend on brotherly and sisterly love. I think of us working together like the fingers of the hand. This recognition that we have a shared fate. <laughs> Someone told me the other day that the last depression, the economic depression of the 30s, there was a feeling of shared fate. Both the rich and the poor worried about the state of the country. I think that has changed anyway. While civilization and its discontents, see, Dr. Freud, uh, presents tremendous difficulties. Still, this struggle for progress would win, I thought, in the end, or if it didn't win, it would change the world. You know, that arc of history, it would truly bend towards justice, as Martin Luther King and so many others promised. Gandhi told us that not only could we define God as the truth, but the other way around as well, that the truth was God. Uh, you know, that we could deal with the real. We didn't need illusions. Uh, I don't know. I've given up on that one. I think, uh, basically, most people do understand that uh, the sacred, the soul, the divine, uh, it's all it's all wrapped up in nature itself, the earth. It's all holy, folks. This is it. Now, I think pagan beliefs uh, seem to express that nature stuff best back in the uh, pre-Christian, pre-monotheistic stage. Uh, the one God stuff, oh, that really... Uh, Appealed to the egos, yes. I I like the new theory, the Gaia theory. The earth itself as holy. Uh, you know, then if if humans, I, I guess, they can't help it. Uh, they need to worship something. It's it's just kind of kind of in our in our hormones we need to exalt life and so we write praise songs for birth uh, birth of babies or gods or anything uh, we lament for the dying yes those are the two expressions praise songs and laments uh, I kind of think it works you know if we worship the land the sea the elements uh <laughs> can't remember. I used to have a picture of a, choose picture of a tree. Uh, trying to think of the actress. A uh, picture of a tree on my refrigerator. Oh, Bette Midler. Bette Midler. Underneath it said, make Mother Earth your Messiah. Love it. Now, I've got so many notes on this God thing. Uh, it, it begins to get kind of boring. I just blather on and on. I always get notes telling me that they don't want to hear about goddess. Uh, they may uh, also be sick of the god thing, but goddess gets under their skin even more. Uh, I just think that this problem of structured belief systems uh, 
it exists everywhere, whether it's politics or religion. Uh, uh, <laughs> these systems oppress us and stifle us. It's all about control. People who want to be the boss of it. Orthodox religions, political organizations, that, that gang in the Vatican. Tyranny is the end product, all that stuff. Uh, make the people do this and believe that. Now, as I looked at Vladimir Putin last week, I got this terrible chill. I'm sure it was just a flashback to the 1940s. I tell myself there could never be a nightmare like that, that horror that went down, you know, in Russia. The people suffered so under Joseph Stalin. Uh, I was just a kid in the 1940s, and of course, I didn't see any of it firsthand. I saw pictures. Uh, when the war, World War II, ended, I saw the pictures. I never got over that. Uh, my generation dreads the thought that some of these things may happen again, may be happening again, that Holocaust in Europe. Surely, that was a one-time catastrophe, sure. Even if we see brief periods of genocide, uh, massacre here and there, uh, oh, the death of thousands, uh, <laughs> oh, Rwanda was millions, anyway. Oh, dear, the body count is meaningless. Uh, everyone says, well, this atrocity is more atrocious than that other atrocity. One of my teachers said China <laughs> won the body count in the 20th century. Uh, but the heart of darkness seemed to me, at least what I saw, the heart of darkness seemed to be in Europe. The final solution, maybe because it was so, so, so deliberate, uh, it was industrial murder. Planned and carried out, assembly line annihilation beyond barbarism, carried out with sadistic simplicity, factories of death. As a young woman, I obsessed about all the details, about the bits of stone on the floor in the gas chambers after the bodies were removed. I read that those slivers of stone they were given to the victims and told it was soap that they were going to the showers. And this bit of soap uh, was a little gift. Once again, I'm wringing my hands. I can't believe I keep doing it. Uh, <laughs> I just can't believe that Putin or any other leader or dictator could order the horrors we witnessed in the past. And then I realize that it's only because I was so young in the 1940s, because it was my first exposure to hell on earth. If you look around today, you'll see so many very young people having their first exposure to hell 
On earth I know now in my old age that these things have never stopped. Some say the style has changed a little. Uh, that may be so in some places, but I know that pain and suffering are no different now than they were then. Uh, <laughs> Vladimir Putin and damn near every person in power is capable of doing all the things that were done in the past. If I think hard enough, I think all of us are capable of doing those things. <laughs> yes, I used to joke and say, we've got to get in touch with our inner Nazi. Then we will understand human nature. <laughs> You know, whether it's North Korea tomorrow, let's see, it's Syria today. And wherever you look, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are riding hard. But as my mother used to say, just eat your ice cream while it's on your plate, girl. <laughs> Maybe the last you get. Now, the question comes to me. Can all this be changed, if not ended at least? What softened? Can humankind be saved? Well, improved? I guess it's fun to think about it. Uh, I'm an eternal sophomore on these subjects. Uh, remember one day we were having call-ins on this show, and we asked people to call in and suggest one thing we could do that might save the human race. Gentleman called in and said we could get rid of all those strollers, you know, babies in strollers. Now, I've thought about that for a long time. I think, I think he must have meant that, you know, pushing children around in these little, little strollers, it's like a throne, you know, it gives them uh, feelings of primate grandiosity. I don't know. I just don't know what he meant. Anyway, uh, I was thinking when I thought about the women becoming the leaders, the rulers, I was just thinking now, where is Vladimir Putin's wife? Now, just uh, where is she? Does she have one? I read that he had one and that he has a family. Uh, I think that she, uh, his wife, has certainly made no uh, impression on the mass media. Uh, I must look into that. <laughs> you remember, back in the day, Raisa Gorbachev and Nancy Reagan, culture clash that was, Raisa Gorbachev was an intellectual, uh, heavy-duty scholar, Nancy's lack of historical information, left her out on a limb, but, of course, Nancy was never embarrassed. Fashion it was not Raisa's bag. Uh, do believe she died some years ago. Cancer Gorbachev uh, still qualifies in my book as a tragic figure, one of those men who was not just ahead of his time. He seemed to be willing to do the good thing, take the big step. And, of course, he paid for it. Uh, in any case, my foolish expectations back in the 50s led me to think that the Soviet struggle 
just might bring into being some brave new world. Mm, I thought we might be slouching towards socialism, the kind we see today in Scandinavia, the kind that Bernie Sanders is talking about and the late-night talk show hosts keep asking Bernie Sanders to define socialism. And I wish Bernie had said it depends on the socialists, you know. Uh, George Bernard Shaw is the one who said, sure, sure, we should have had socialism long ago. But for the socialists, indeed. No ideology can survive uh, the people who practice it or use it, you know. Someone has a brilliant idea, uh, and then the idiots come along and uh, muck it up or use it as a mask for tyranny. I think we should just get rid of all the isms. It seems better just to talk about the rich and the poor. Uh, I just worry that Putin could be another of history's villains. I'm certain that uh, the crimes of Joseph Stalin uh, are possible. They could recur in the 21st century. I mean, I'm almost certain. Last week, I was reading bits and pieces here on the air, uh, Lenin's last testament in which he warned everyone. He went to the party congress the year before he died. He cautioned them. Say that would be 1923. He said that Joseph Stalin uh, <laughs> might be trouble. He used the word rude, that he was authoritarian, couldn't get along with people anyway. That was quite a testament. Uh, talked about the possibility of the split with Trotsky, and the following year Lenin died, and it all came true, Lenin. Uh, well, he died, I guess, before the worst horrors, the purges of Joseph Stalin. He did have a hand in in uh, the dark, the dark uh, chaos that... Well, I don't want to say it was necessary. He seemed to feel it was... They were struggling with all these issues, the civil wars within Russia, the famine, World War II. After the death of the Tsar and his family, it seems that there was no going back. But still, Lenin wrote that, in fact, the Soviet government had simply taken over the old regime. Said there was no other way to function. Uh, okay, <laughs> he sets forth the priorities and socio-economic necessities, but then, then he allows or institutes those methods of repression which duplicated those of the past. Look around, check out today's authoritarian regimes. Here we go again. Anyway, Stalin seems to believe that repression would be temporary. Uh, then he changed his mind. Lenin, uh, well, I'm reading a biography of Lenin, and I still haven't figured him out. I guess I'm romanticizing him. Uh, I think of the shock we got when we saw those pictures of Abu Ghraib and the BS we listened to when we were told that torture is unnecessary that it saves lives. In today's world, it seems that the only people 
who have seen the worst that their fellow men and women can do. They are the only ones who understand the danger. They recognize the the uh, symptoms. They hear the lies. Then I remember all those who cry for revenge. Well, I, I've come to the end of my time, and I had five movies to tell you about, and I've got to save them. <laughs> anyway, I think I'll try to quit talking about morality. Uh, morality is the desire to lessen suffering in the world. Uh, and if that is the definition, I'm afraid most of our rulers, warlords, even CEOs are not moral individuals. Go see Paddington Bear. Cheer up. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air next week at this time. Till then, go easy. If you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. from Palestine, Sahara Abbasi Beydoun will speak in Oakland on Friday, October 23rd at 7.30 p.m. at Uptown Body and Fender at 401 26th Street. Sahad is Deputy Director of Meda Selwan Creative Center, where she works with children who've been arrested and also runs the women's program. She'll display photographs and children's testimonies entitled Room Number 4, in reference to the Israeli police interrogation room where Palestinian children, as young as six years old, are often beaten and tortured by Israeli police. There will also be images of murals by artists who've just returned from Palestine. For more information, go to mecca4peace.org or call 510-548-0542. This is a benefit for the Meda Creative Center and Art Forces, and the event is wheelchair accessible.